This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Startups are everywhere in the current business landscape, and how many of them are profitable, sustainable, or even around five years after they launch? I often wonder. Some of the more conservative statistics say that over 50% will fail. My guest today is Sue Ellen Watts, or Sell as she's known by many, a successful business leader, entrepreneur, and a real champion of startups. Her first business, What's Next, is a truly innovative HR business that's been right through that decade-long startup phase, has now grown up, but has experienced all those pain points of startup land, from cash flow to resourcing and expansion. Her latest venture, Scrappy, was founded in Silicon Valley in September 2016, while she was on an innovation gathering with 12 other entrepreneurs, CEOs, and executives from an array of Australian businesses. She's an avid traveler and has a very good global perspective on the world of startups, with an educated view on why some succeed and many don't. Cell is more than qualified to get real today about the politics of startups. Welcome. Thank you, Amber. It is great to be here. Excellent. So let's go back into uh, many years ago. As a young girl growing up in Australia, did you always dream of starting your own business and why? Absolutely not. I knew nothing about business. I didn't come from a family that were in business and um, I didn't really even know about that as an opportunity. Even when I was at school, it didn't come up. We weren't taught um, anything about business studies. I know some of the boys' schools did, but certainly the girls' schools didn't. And entrepreneurialism or even the word entrepreneur was not something that you would ever hear unless you're referring to someone like Christopher Scase. So it was actually a dirty word. So I'm not one of those ones that was selling lemonade in my street when I was 10. That that wasn't me. I didn't actually realize and um, that I was an entrepreneur and was interested in business until well after I, I'd left school. Well, that's interesting. I must admit I'm in the same camp. I had parents who always, always worked for somebody else. So for me, I had a much steeper learning curve than perhaps the people that grew up in a, in a world of entrepreneurialism. So prior to launching What's Next over 10 years ago, how did you decide to start a business and how did you get that experience that you need to kind of just make it happen? Yeah, look, I always knew that I wanted to do something different, but it took me a while to really work that out. In fact, I didn't start What's Next until I was 30 and I'd, I'd just had my first baby. I've got three children, three boys. And so I, it wasn't till quite later. And um, I often wonder, I used to think, well, was that a disadvantage or an advantage? But I think, you know, things happen at the right time for you. And, and I actually like the fact that I started my business whilst I had children because I didn't really know what it was like beforehand when I would have had much more time. But, but back to your, to your question, I had been working in HR. I'd also started doing a lot of personal development. So I had a, a life coach. And back then, which was about 14 years ago when I first started, um, life coaching was some hippie term that no one really understood. And I was spending quite a lot of money that I didn't have that stage in my life and time on my personal development. And what that did for me was really made me come to realize 
realized that the world was my oyster and that I could actually create anything that I wanted to create if I was prepared to do the work and just be courageous. And so I actually started my HR business and I didn't, I had a little bit of HR experience. I'd been working in HR, but it's not at a senior level. I, I hadn't, didn't have a degree. So I dropped out of uni three times. I had no business experience, no money. I had a newborn baby. I was in a new town, so I had no contact. So I actually didn't have any of the foundations that you would suggest. A um, You made it as hard as possible for yourself by I, the sounds of it. I absolutely did. And do you know what? One of the one of the key attributes I did have back then was naivety. I just I had this big dream of what I wanted to achieve. I was really clear on the business vision and I was just like, I'm just gonna make this happen. And I didn't even stop to think about all the things that I didn't have. And I think that was actually a real bonus for me. I think that was one of the best things that I could have had at that time. That's totally interesting. So looking back, what advice would you give your sort of, you know, 30-something self now that you've been through that startup journey and started another scrappy, which we'll get to in a moment? What sort of tips would you give yourself if you could, if you could look back and go, hey, this is what you need to know? Yes, it's quite interesting because back then we didn't have things like co-working spaces. We didn't have meetups. There wasn't that community for startups. In fact, the term startup didn't even exist. So you were a business owner. You went out, you you started up your business and, um, you know, you just, there was, we didn't know about investors or anything like that. So really it was all about have an idea go and get a customer. They'll pay you some money, which will allow you to do some more things in your business. I was pretty much like, you know, get some money, buy a printer, get some more money, buy the paper. You know, that's really how What's Next was grown. And, you know, very simply, it sounds very humbly. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It was pounding the pavement, going and buying coffees, having one-on-ones with people, telling them about what I do and asking them to please um, give me a go. And I was working working it out and making contacts and working out even what my service offering was as I went. I let the customer tell me what they needed. So I didn't I didn't spend forever perfecting the business. The I knew the vision, mission values, and then the rest I just I just started doing. And I think I think that is actually quite good advice. I think you don't get a lot of solutions from thinking, you get solutions from doing. And just giving something a go, letting letting the market tell you is actually quite interesting. And doing that with no money was great because I had to be creative. I, I had to work out a way to make it all happen. And 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 when you have to do that, um, you you have innovation. And, and back then we weren't talking about innovation either. So um, the advice I'd give my to myself. Well, actually, I think back then, you know, I did I did what I could with what I had. And I think that now it's a completely different space for people wanting to start a business. It's, it's, there's just a, a, a different landscape, different education, different support. But certainly I would still stand by and say people should work with what they have and actually get to know what their business is, whether anyone wants it, um, really get that clear. And we can talk about this more as we go along, but get that clear before you start using other people's money and um, that, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So let's talk about Scrappy in more detail, which is a reverse incubator solely focused on solving global problems by fostering talented entrepreneurs. I love that term. What does that really mean and how have you brought that to life? What, what are you actually doing with Scrappy? Yeah, sure. Okay. So this all came about when, so my business was coming, what's next was ca- coming to 
heading up to its 10th year and I'd been doing a lot of travel, uh, a lot of time in the US over the previous few years, a lot of um, expanding on my knowledge and experiences and I, I was starting to feel a bit of an inkling that I wanted to do something else and, and what I came to realise was that there was a few things that I wanted. I wanted to get into the tech world, tech space, uh, because I found it really interesting. I'd spent some time in Silicon Valley and I was just, just generally interested because my my current, well, what's next was a consulting firm. So there was that. I also wanted to get into do get into business that I could scale globally. I was really, I'm really interested in our global um, opportunities these days. You know, we really are a 24 um, seven world where we can connect with anyone all over the world, and that really interests me. And I also wanted business partners. So I've never had a business partner in what's next, and I was really interested in in business partners. So. So that was sort of like my criteria and I started talking to a couple of people and, and said, you know what, what I want to do is I want to try a lot of different businesses. I want to get a few things happening, get them started and just see where we can take them. And at the same time, I, I'm also very passionate about the startup entrepreneurial space at the moment and what I feel is, um, and I apologies if this isn't really a word, but the irresponsibility around that space. And I feel like we are telling everyone that they should be an entrepreneur and they should go out there and um, get an idea and raise some capital and, um, and, you know, and then they can be an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur is really cool. But actually no one's really talking about what, what that actually means. And what it means is you're going into business. And if you're going into business, then you need to come up with a service or product that people want to actually spend money on. So this is not what people think is a great, is great. Your friends and family think are awesome. Even investors might think it's cool. It's whether people will actually put their hand in their pocket and pay for what you're offering. And then once you once you've actually managed to get to that, um, which is not that easy, by the way, um, then you've got to be able to run a business. So oh, absolutely. We, what we're teaching yeah. people is that. All you'd actually need to do to be an entrepreneur is learn how to pitch and raise capital, and that's not running a business. What you need to do is learn how to build revenue, so get customers to give you money, not investors. And then once you do that, you need to then run your business, which is things like cash flow and HR and marketing and procedures and processes and boring and boring and boring and not sexy at all. But that is actually what running a business is. So I felt like we've got a lot of people out there who want to be entrepreneurs because they think it's cool when really they're not they don't actually have the risk appetite or the or the um necessarily the attributes to be that but that doesn't mean that they can't be part of the startup and entrepreneurial journey so when we refer to intrapreneurs what we wanted to do was was build businesses and bring people in that could be part of that journey be part of the startup world be part of that entrepreneurial world but not necessarily have to put their own house on the line but still play a part whether that be through sweat equity or some other opportunities so rather than telling everyone to go out and start their own thing and go and try and get money why not bring some of those amazing people in that have great skills in tech or whatever it may be and come in and join us and be part of that and we are three experienced business owners with over 30 years of um, or more than that, actually, forty years of business experience. So, so it's a it's a different experience. So that's where the reverse incubator. So at the moment, we've got a whole lot of incubators out there, which are basically, um, uh, you know, startups that are bringing up their ideas and getting some sort of a support, but ultimately being taught to raise money. Um, whereas we're reverse; the ideas are ours, and they are being 
that they're our they're our businesses and entrepreneurs, meaning that we want to bring people in to be part of that that don't necessarily have to um, take the same risks that we're prepared to take. It's totally fascinating and it makes sense. I mean, it's just such a logical thing to be doing. So I think that practicality is what you bring to, to the table, which I think what you're saying is sometimes if you're young and you just haven't had the experience in entrepreneur land, it's, it's, it's you get the money and then what do you do with it? So yeah. I think that there's some really good lessons in there. I know that travel has been critical to your own startup journey and ongoing self-development, which you've touched on as well. Mm. And I know New York is very close to your heart and I always think of it as your second home in many ways from all the amazing images that we see on social media and and your blogs about it and so forth. So how has investing time there and then say Silicon Valley where we know lots of tech startups, you know, have their their humble beginnings and go on to great things? I mean, how important has that been in your overall experience of running a startup as well as, you know, other businesses as well? Yes, well I think that firstly, you know, I'm I I've been running an established business for 10 years. So where a, a young person starting out may not have the opportunity to go and travel like I have. Um but so I'm really I'm really grateful for that, but it it's played a massive part because um I I feel Australia is very insulated. I think we are behind and um we we're not moving as fast from from my observations. And being able to spend time, particularly in the US, but just generally um, abroad and speaking with people that are um, running global businesses or, or traveling a lot um, just expands your mind on what is possible. And uh, for me, New York is the place I go to be inspired. As you said, it's the second home to me that I, I go there to think and create. And um, and, and it is, it, it's certainly um the place that I find as a haven for me to really get my creative juices um, flowing, and um, and that's been, it's been critical. It's been critical for me, and it's certainly been able to uh, allowed me to see the world from a, a different perspective and see the opportunities that are available. And also, when I come back, um, the insights that I can give clients or our community or my just followers, um, I think is just it's great to be able to, to be able to share that. Uh, I think that the startup world is just such an interesting one. I mean it's so it's so out of control in relation to being a buzz and I, I'm really concerned about what's going to happen over the next five years and how much money people are losing um, and and how many startups are on the uh, you know are, are on in on the in the graveyard if you like and i i'm concerned about that because there's not enough talk about how do we build sustainable businesses that are still going to be around in five and ten years time and i get why because it's not exciting and it's not sexy i get why that conversation isn't happening but a lot of people are going to and are losing a lot of money and um and you know i think i think we need to sort of like realize that business is not all shiny. It looks really shiny on um, on social media, but but it's not. It's it's around the clock, hard yards, hard work. Everything's on the line. Um, you know, there's there's usually more more downtimes than uptimes, and it's really stressful. And um, and you you've got to commit your whole life. I mean, people that have conversations me with me about work life balance. I mean, don't even talk to me about that. It's just it's. It's not even. I can't even have that conversation. If you if you really want to, my view is if you really want to be an entrepreneur or you really want to get up into business and and do startup and and your goal is to be 
to run a successful, sustainable business that you can do whatever you want with, whether you sell it or it's a cash cow for you or whatever you choose. If you really want to do that as opposed to, you know, just be featured because you raised so much money in the first year, um, then you've got to be prepared to put in the work. And I mean sacrifice. Like there are massive sacrifices and there's not conversations. There's just not conversations about about that side of it. So I've sort of gone off track, Amber, but I tend to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was totally fascinated and I've let that that run and we'll come back to that that idea of what makes things work. I am also going to touch on your latest project with one of your sons, oh. which is called The Secret Source, yeah. and um, you do have three boys. Yeah. I'm really curious about how you advise um, people in your own family, particularly when that, in that sort of early um, early childhood phase, if you like, on the startup process, and they've obviously witnessed you having businesses over the years, so it's not foreign to them, yeah. but how do you – how have you got them excited about this? And I know you're doing some crowdfunding. So do you want to share a little bit about what The Secret Source is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So Your Secret Source was a term that we took from. Although I feel like I should have your son on the show. Not yeah, you, I but- know. And do you know what? Everyone's <laughs> wanting to talk a little more than me now anyway. So uh, he's becoming a bit of a pro. Uh, so, yeah, Digger, he's 10. And it's quite interesting. So when I was in Silicon Valley last year and I came up, so there was a couple of terms that kept coming up, scrappy. So they all referred to themselves as being scrappy. So straight away I went, I'm going to register this. I'm going to start a business called Scrappy. And um, and then the other term, well, they used a couple of terms. They talked a lot about North having a North Star or really clear vision. And so my dog is called North Star. And then your secret source. So they called it, you know, your secret source is your special ingredient that makes your business special. And so one day my 10-year-old son, and he was nine at the time, said to me, I just, I really love writing. And I said, really? I, I said, I, I knew you love reading, but I didn't realize you love writing. He said, I love it. And I think kids should read and read and write more. And we should read each other, uh, each other's stories. And anyway, we just started talking. And from that, um, your secret source was born, which is basically a, a tech platform that lets kids from all over the world come together and write shared stories and one paragraph at a time. And, and we publish those books and, um, and allow them to connect with kids from other countries and take each other on a choose your own adventure. And um, so I said to my son, well, you know, we can do this. And I went back to my business partners in Scrappy and said, what do you, what do you think about this? This is Digger's idea. And they were like, I love it. And we were like, okay. And I said to Digger, you know what? We've got a, um, you know, this is an entrepreneurial opportunity for you. And so what that means is how do we get that off the ground? It's not just about mum funding it. It's not about mum going, okay, well, we'll do this. I said, you've got to get your community involved to help you. And so what what about we crowdfund? And I never crowdfunded before and I actually knew very little about it. And I met with a guy in Australia who had a very successful crowdfund campaign and it blew my mind what he said to me. And anyway, we went, okay, let's do it. And um, so we decided to do it and I tell you, you know, it, it has been an incredibly interesting experience and I'm learning a lot. And and one of the things I'm loving is that, um, you know, I'm back in startup, right in the trenches, really learning like I was 10 years ago, which is a really cool place to be in. But from the perspective of Digger, um, being able to teach him what it takes, you know, managing the money that we're, we're trying to get in, asking for money, you know, I, 
I said to him, did you ask the neighbour? And he said, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I was like, you know, you've got to get your hustle on. We've got to be, we've got to be asking. If we don't ask, we won't get. And then, you know, next minute we had a two <laughs> I love it. Get your hustle get your on. Hustle on. <laughs> and we had two come in um, the next day from the neighbour. So he obviously went off and did his hustle. But, um, and just explaining, you know, the marketing. and But also in particular, um, the hours that, you know, myself and my business partners had to put in, particularly in the lead up and in the beginning stage of the Kickstarter, um, for him to see that and that I, you know, need to get him to do more video recordings for different things and, and call upon him. And, and, um, and that's been, that's been really interesting, but just, um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience because to sit, to teach him, but also he's teaching us. So we got him heavily involved when we wrote the strategy. So when we sat down as a group and wrote, the vision, the mission and the values of the organisation, we were very heavily led by what he said and what our values should be and how we should work um, and what this is all about and the philanthropic component of it. That was all led by him. And there is absolute beauty in in being guided by a child who has no um, judgment of anything and um, is just coming from a place of wonderment and from the heart and sometimes that can get lost in business particularly if you've been in business for a little while and things have you know you get it can come a bit bitter at times you know that has really sparked something in, in the in the scrappy team so we're learning just as much from him as as he is from us that's a fantastic um, journey to be on as well. And I think, like you say, I love that. It's that childlike wonder, which I think when you are new to a startup and it's your first time, no matter how old you are, you have. But like you say, when you're a seasoned entrepreneur and you've been through the many highs and the many, many lows, it uh, it can get a little bit hard. And I think also as adults, there's a reality when you're adulting, it's about often has to be about the financial realities. And I think the purity of that idea of the secret source is what I, what I love best. So I wish you both so much luck with that. I definitely have to look at it as well and get my son involved um he's eight and he also loves to read and write so they have something in common perfect so indeed we talk about there not being work-life balance i'm also not a fan of that question when i get it i do a lot of work-life blending and i always have and like you i started my business i actually started a year before i had my son but i pretty much have always grown up with having kids and business so don't know any different how do you actually regroup? I know you like surfing and other things, but how do you make sure that you look after yourself? Because I think these are the tips which people in the startup phase really need to heed because it can be 24-7 with the advent of technology and it's not healthy. So how do you kind of get that time back? Yeah, look, as you said, I do surf and I really – I started that purely from a, a mental health perspective because for me it's like a meditation. When, I, when I'm surfing, I can't think of anything else other than how am I going to catch this wave and then how am I going to stay on the board and how am I not going to get smashed. And so really for that hour and a half or two hours, um, my head is – I'm completely present and I think that is a really great refuel for me. Um, but I will say that if you are in startup or in serious business mode, you are going to be working more than you're not. And I think that's the reality, to be honest. And I know that we need to manage our health and we need to do that and we need to do that in a really smart way. Um, but ultimately, I truly believe that the results I get come from the work that I put in. And I'm not talking that, oh, it's all about hours, but do you know what? 
you know, you, ju- you just got to put it in. And so what are the ways to be as effective with your health so that you can put in those hours and you can you can think clearly and make good decisions? Because I, I'm not a believer in working when you are exhausted and tired and, and because you, you just take longer to do everything, your decisions are poor. So you need to be alert um, and I really believe sleep is critical. Um, I think I'm not one that can go multiple nights on four hours as four hours a night sleep I, I need sleep and that's probably um, a key fuel for me um, but I, like I just I have to say you know like it's it's uh, it's work you know you, you got to put you got to put the hours in so so be efficient with your health like eat eat well and um, you know get your exercise in and your meditation um, and but then you know other things sacrifice other things not your health but you will have to sacrifice stuff like whether it be going out. absolutely and I think I think most of us know that who've been through this journey ourselves but I must admit I think in the first five years of my business I was working all sorts of hours but wasn't necessarily because I had young children taking care of myself and I just realized I wasn't my best for my clients I wasn't the best for my family actually was going to burn out and it was a real wake-up call to help you know often it's those health issues that you get as you get older too and I think there's a lot of conversations that can be had I think in in for startup land about the high rates of you know depression and anxiety that these people must go through which we don't talk about we don't support them because we think oh they've got this fabulous business their life must be perfect or they must be so excited every day that you know they don't care about sleep but it's Um, there's a human reality in that we're not robots so um, I think anything you can do that you love that's outside work like I think someone said to me recently about hobbies and it sounds so passe but I I totally get it like having something that's nothing to do with what you do on a day-to-day basis whether it be surfing craft painting walking meditation just doing something that's just for you means that you're going to be better when you are in your startup yeah look absolutely and I I have no uh problem with rewarding myself or giving myself what I need. So I think a lot of people feel guilty and uh, around, you know, putting themselves first or doing the things they want to do. Like I get asked all the time about how I how I go to New York so often and leave my kids at home and with my husband. And I, But, you know, I, I know exactly what I need to function at my best in all of my roles and I have no problem with making those things a priority. And so I think one of the biggest issues is that people think that I have to sacrifice myself. No, actually, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I, I think that's a very martyr-type um, approach to take and I don't think it helps anyone. So, Yeah. Totally agree on that. And I love the fact that you live, you've created a life you love, but you know what you need. And I think the maturity and having that experience in life means that you can actually enjoy your life as well. And I think it's always said to people, you know, actually enjoying it. What, what are you doing here? This is not a dress rehearsal. So, you know, people have these ideas of what success or motherhood or family looks like. And you need to throw all that away sometimes if it's not working for you. So uh, hats off to you for for living your values and, and pursuing your dreams as well. I am going to touch on capital raising because that's something you did allude to in the beginning of the interview mm-hmm. and it is kind of the new black mm-hmm. in terms of startups going around, raising lots of money. There are a lot of profile, a lot of press around mm-hmm. it. It's such a focal point of the startup journey and putting ideas into action is more than raising money, although it's a real skill to be able to put together a fantastic slide deck and pitch and get money in a very competitive environment. So you think? Do you believe there's too much emphasis on raising money, and we need to focus also on how to run that business once you get the money? Yeah. I, What's your I, view on I this? I think there is way too much emphasis. So I understand that there are certain types of businesses out there that need to raise capital. However, the biggest concern I and so and I've got friends who you know they really couldn't have done it without without some investment. But there are a lot of business out there 
that that are in a, in their very early stages in their first two years where they where the founders are spending a lot of time going around talking to investors and they don't even know their own business so I, I want to share an example because I think this really sums it up quite well I was talking to a young guy who um, you know had a, was awesome awesome guy with with a with a good business idea it had only been going for three months and he had had some people interested in giving him some investment so he was spending time having having all these conversations and they are time consuming. That's a, like raising capital is a time consuming activity. And, um, and I said to him, what is it that you want from your investors? And he said, well, you know, there's a money element element, but I really want to them to open some doors for me. And I said, okay, cool. And so then we continued on in the conversation around who his target market was. And what became very apparent was that he still hadn't quite worked out who his target market was, which was, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's really, that's interesting though. Like you He'd be able to articulate that early on. I mean, to me, that's quite basic. Yeah, but he was sort of like there was a corporate element and then there was a small business element and there was a few different options that his product his product could um, meet. And so we were talking about the challenges of both of those different markets. And and But the point was, was that I said to him, you're about to give away equity in your business for someone to open doors for you and you haven't worked out what doors you want opened yet. So in a year's time, when you've given away equity – you then work out, you suddenly get, you over time, you get to know your baby and you realize that what doors you want open and the investor you've given equity to can't open those doors. So then you have to give away more equity to someone else to open other doors. And since you don't even know who your business is yet, you haven't got to know each other and you're already trying to bring people in to do things that you don't even know. And it was a real eye opener for him because what had happened was that he had got stars in his eyes and got overexcited about the fact that someone was prepared to put some money into his business, which made him feel like it was a great business idea. And that's great, but that's all ego stroking. And ultimately, he would have ended up, and I'm I'm very confident, in a few years' time with hardly any equity in his business, no motivation, and everyone would have lost all their money and a business and a great idea would have gone down the drain. So I think the problem here is that we're jumping to investment way too quickly. We need to be getting to know our business and really understanding if we want investment, why why do we want it and what do we want it for? Is it money? Is it connections? Is it guidance? And um, we need to find those things out before we're doing that. And and I want to share another, just one other example, Amber, because this, this was I found very interesting. I went and visited an incubator and they had a, a wall full of amazing brands, you know, well, logos. And all the logos these days are fantastic. You know, they're all very Uberized and slick and and this amazing wall. And I said, and I said to the guy running this incubator, you know, I'm concerned about this space. I'm concerned that you're spending all this time teaching people how to pitch, and you know, one's teaching them how to actually get customers to buy their buy their product and give them money. And he was like, oh well, I don't agree, and so on. And anyway, he showed me this wall of amazing logos. I said, tell me about some of the success stories on this wall. I want to know. Tell me about them. And he said, oh, this is going to be a very awkward conversation. And I said, why? Why? And he said, well, most of these are no longer alive. They've all, most of them have gone under. And I said, okay, t- tell me one of, the, one of the stars. And he said, well, there's one big star on this, on this wall. And I said, okay, great. And he said, and the, probably the key thing about them is they haven't raised any capital. And I said, oh, okay, this is an interesting conversation. So where, what happened? And he said, well... They, you know, built their product for, as, you know, as basic as they could and they went out and they got a small client which gave them some revenue to then build on that product so they could then get a sort of a next 
um, client, which then gave them more revenue to then build the real product that they really wanted. And then they went out and they sold it to the big customer they always wanted and they won that customer. And so they've grown and been going around for, going for four years, successful, completely funded by revenue. And I was like, there we go. Now, I get that can't be the story for everyone, but what I'm saying is that I think that is the story for most businesses, but we're not giving our businesses an opportunity to do that. We're spending all this time on raising capital when we need to first make sure that we've got a product that someone wants to buy and that we can actually do sales and marketing and pick up clients because I can assure you that having a big bank account with someone else's money doesn't mean that you're going to pick up clients. So this is sort of the conversations that I think we need to be having more of. And they're really brave conversations, but definitely key. And you've touched on that idea that businesses with the great ideas or the great logos, as you saw, are not always the ones that are successful. Mm. So what do you think you could share about the idea of you've got your vision and all that stuff and the execution and how do you know if you're getting it right? I mean, what, what sort of markers do you have along the way to know that this journey is going to be one of the successes? Can you really yeah, tell? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm- as I've said, I think the the key thing to knowing if your business is successful is any is anyone going to actually put um, take money out of their pocket and give it to you in return for your service or product? And because if people aren't, then it doesn't matter how how shiny it looks and how many of your friends and family think it's awesome. If people aren't actually going to buy, then you've got no business. And and, and even when you've got a business. It's pretty simple stuff really, isn't it? Is. It's pretty simple. You know, is there a market out there and are they willing to buy? Like that's that's simplicity and, and that's why I think people need to go out there and test that, test whether anyone actually will buy their product and I mean give you money um, because and if, if you can show that and you can see that then, okay, well, there's a lot of these types of people that are prepared to pay money for my product, then you're getting somewhere and then, then you're off and then you can, then it's up to you to, to you know, run a run a, su- a successful business um, because also there's a, amazing businesses out there, great ideas with products that people want to buy, but the people that are running it are hopeless and can't run it, and so you know they end up in the great business graveyard too. So you know, there's all these elements, but but they're not. They don't seem to be any of the conversations that we're having. Amber, like no one's talking about this sort of stuff. But all- we will. Uh, they will after today. I'm guaranteeing it. So I think it's important to put it out there, like you say. Yeah, I hope so. And look, I'm a big believer. No one gets to where they are without having people in their lives that are inspirational. And I think for you, I mean, you are an inspiration. But you must have had mentors along the way that have helped you. The people have been in your corner along this journey. Mm. Can you think about who they are? And they don't have to be well-known names. Yeah. But what have they taught you about success and life? Yeah. Well. Is there one or two people that come yeah, to mind? Yeah, definitely. So I, I'm a big believer in having mentors and coaches and advisors around you. Um, and I've always had mentors in varieties of different areas of my life. Uh, and I've also and mentors that are people that you know, generally you don't pay. Um, and then I've also invested money in in coaches. And I have one coach who's been with me for 14 years. In fact, just before I start connected with you today, I had my monthly hour and a half session with him talking about the my the next challenges that I've got ahead of me or exciting opportunities. Um, and he has been someone that's gone with me through the entire journey of my whole um, pre-business life right up to today. And, um, and so that's been a really interesting experience because there's that's been a um, you know up and down journey, uh, and I think for him he has never let me get away with anything. So he's held me absolutely accountable to everything that I have said of what I want to do and who I want to be, and he doesn't let me get away with it. 
And I think that um, c- discipline that he's taught me uh, around um, a commitment to myself and my goals has has been critical. Um, and and he's just been that consistent person in my life. I've then called upon a n- numerous amounts of people in different specific areas, and I'm always asking people, like buying people coffee, so that I can pick their brain on a particular thing that's going on in my business. So I think if you're someone who um, sort of sits in your office or doesn't want to ask for help, um, you are, I mean, I don't know how far you'll go. I, I think there is so much knowledge out there and I've never had anyone, um, no matter how successful and busy they are, say no to a, a coffee catch-up or um, to mentor me at, when, I, when I've asked them. And I've asked some pretty high-level people, um, uh, people that I thought wouldn't, I'd be, I was too scared to even talk to, um, that have said yes and that have guided me in different areas that I, you know, call upon at any time for different aspects of my life that or business that I need help in. So um, that's, you know, that's from a personal point of view. Um, as you know, and anyone that follows me, I'm a massive fan of Gary Vaynerchuk and, um, and, and just went over to the US, to New York to, to spend time with him one-on-one. And um, I, I follow him heavily because he is real and he's telling it exactly how it is. And, um, and I find that really, really refreshing. So, you know, I, ha- I read a lot of books and I got a lot of courses, um, conferences and things like that. And personal development is my number one, probably my number one priority and I think has been the reason that I've been able to grow as I have over the years. So, yeah, something that I would recommend. But the other thing I will say is I have now have two business partners, which is really interesting. They're both guys who um, are younger than me but are extremely successful in their own right and we're all very different and um, we're all learning an enormous amount from from each other uh, and um, and that, that I'm finding um, an incredible experience. But one of the things I wanted to add um, in something we were talking about before was that now that we've come together to have Scrappy, we have all got businesses and we've got um, capital behind us, but we are running Scrappy completely lean. We're not, we may look at investment for some of our startups, but we're certainly not doing it um, in the in the near future, and we are so lean um, every cent. We're we're um, very pedantic about where we spend our money, um, where our investment goes, and any sort of um, future discussion around um, raising of money is something that's way you know um, separate to us first finding out that our businesses um, uh, can be successful. So for t- to talk to entrepreneurs that are just starting out and to see people that are we you know we're all successful people that could actually throw some money into things and we, we're doing the lean startup and um, because that is the best way to test your business so I, I think that's important to share to anyone that's listening that is just starting out right in the beginning of their entrepreneurial career yeah yeah and you're living and you're living your values I mean you, you know exactly what you're doing because this is the advice you're giving others so I think there's value in that we are going to wrap up what is your last piece of advice for anyone who is in that startup world to find success? How would you, how would you advise them? Just one t- major takeout. If they want to navigate the politics of startups and do it well or do it better, what would you say to them? I would say spend the time getting really, really clear on where you want to take the business and what, it, um, what it's actually all about and, um, and get very clear upfront on what you are prepared to sacrifice. Because I want, I want young entrepreneurs 
to be realistic about the journey they're saying that they want to be on because it is an incredible journey. I, I am so privileged to, to live this life and I love every single second of it. Um, but you've got to live and breathe it and love it. It's not a part-time thing. Yeah. Great advice. If you do want to connect further with Sue Ellen Watts, her details will be on our show notes. You have been listening to The Politics of Everything. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed The Politics of Everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespokecoms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.